Are you ready? This is, hold it, wait for it. You, you, do you know what's coming? I know, Don't say what's, I know what's coming. This is, this is potpourri part duh. Yeah, baby. <laughs> did you know that? No, you didn't know that was coming. Did you? I knew the part two was coming. I didn't know you'd yeah. go with the country potpourri. Potpourri! <laughs> Entry music. It's the Bob and Josh show. This is a great episode. A lot of fun. A lot of chuckles. But a lot of great info. We're happy. We're proud of it. And we expect you're going to get a whole lot of value from it. Speaking of value, click that QR code below and get your free... That's right, free, F-R-E-E, infographic about how you can change the culture of your team, your department, your organization. No matter what role you're in, you can do it, folks. You don't have to sit on the sidelines and wish things were better. You can go make things better. Click on that QR code and start changing things for the good. All right, here we go. All right, Metacasters, <laughs> let, me, let me announce this. Everyone, this is... I, I need to get some oxygen in there so I can really build yeah, it. I up. know. Potpourri part duh. Yeah, I have a question. You know who it, these questions are from, Josh? No, I don't. Uh David Raj. Oh, okay, good. I like it. David Raj. I I someone I I know and respect. So I'm just gonna start. Let's dive in. Does Agile get old? Um, if you're doing it right, no, because you're constantly evolving and iterating. If it's stagnant and feels old, then you're doing it wrong. Man, that was a graceful. Response. I know, I know. <laughs> it floated in there. <laughs> I can't. I'm gonna lose it. I can feel. I can feel a laughing fit. It's gonna out. happen I, today. It is, I think it is. I. I just. You, know, you just killed me with the graceful. Yeah, sorry. Well, you know, facts are facts, Bob, Bobby G. <laughs> Please stop. Uh, I I think I 100% agree with you. I think if you're doing it wrong, it gets old. I'm trying to think. I, I, I want to add nuance. It's wrong. But I think if you're not changing, if you're not adapting, it because if you're doing scrum, I, I joked years ago, but I was serious with clients. I would go in and I would teach them Scrum or teach them Kanban. And, and as I was leaving, I would be like, if I come back in a year, <laughs> if I'm lucky enough for yeah. you to invite me back in a year, and if you're doing exactly what I told you to do or whatever you decided to do today, then I said, I have failed. Not not only have I failed, you failed. And I, I will, I will smack you around or something because it's part of it is that exploration, experimentation, and figuring out what's works and what works today may not work a year from now or whatever. So that adaptability. So I think agile. If you get, it's not even stuck. If you're doing something statically, like if, even if you are doing Scrum like excellently by the book, I'd still call you out and say, you know there's opportunities that you've missed along the way to do something different. So I'm, I'm like all in, that was a wordy way of agreeing violently, violently agreeing with you. Did yeah, you have I something think, else? Yeah. Just the, just the, the first symptom of that is 
retrospectives start to stumble and people start to question should we do retrospectives like there's nothing to change and oftentimes some of those teams that are doing it really well they get complacent about change and like we're knocking out of the park we don't need to retrospect and things like that so that's a very dangerous spot to be in so as an agile coach that's something that you have to fight and diversify the retrospective so that everybody continuously feels the value that's coming out of that all right i'm with one. you so teaching your execs agile comma and why it matters to them so i think it's reactions to teaching them agile i'll let you all of these, you can, if you don't mind, why don't you go first and then sure. I'll weigh in. I think those of us that have been through the agile coaching ranks, one of the more common things that we run into is just a misunderstanding or a generalization of what agile is. And it often requires someone like us to come in and educate the executives on what it means. And one of the most common things is, oh, when we do this, we're going to be able to go faster. And that's always, not always, that's most common. One of the first things that people hear from executives that have hired one of us to, to come in or somebody's hiring us and saying, hey, listen, we got this issue. The executives think this is going to happen. So it's about educating them on their role in it. And their role is very important in that they need to provide context and clarity about strategic direction for the company and who we aspire to be as a company, what products we think we need to build to live effectively within our market space, and then let the team run from there. If you have a good product manager and a good product owner and good scrum teams, then all of that will take care of itself. But number one, it's understanding the role that you play at the very top of the funnel of ideas and thoughts of direction that we are going to go, but most importantly, giving that clarity on that strategic direction, because that's one of those things that I've seen teams trying to do the right thing, but they inadvertently make a poor choice because an executive didn't share with them, oh, hey, like we're actually trying to exit within the next 18 months. And that's going to change the way you think about the business and the way you build things versus we don't expect to sell or have an exit or anything for 20 years. In fact, maybe never. So then that's going to adjust the way myself as a product manager, product owner, and teams think about the choices that are being made. It doesn't mean you take a shortcut. It's just you understand the final destination and that it's close or it's really far away. So, so often that's a stumbling block where executives get frustrated because teams are building things the wrong way, but they're building them the right way as far as they know that executive just failed to, to provide context and clarity around the strategic direction of the company. I mean, again, I'm I'm 100% agreeing with everything you said. I mean, the add-on for me is maybe a different twist. I, I want to go back and read that question again from David. Teaching your execs agile and why it matters to them it's it's almost the way it's phrased I'm not, it's a good question i'm not picking on it it's like it's my job to convince or train the leader uh i'm actually having heartburn around that no no if you want to go agile as a leader it's your job 
to be curious. It's your job to learn everything you can. It's your job to pull me in. You know that quintessential joke, Josh? I'm the CEO of a company and you have 60 minutes to teach yeah. me agile, right? That's all the time I have. But but I'm going to I'm going to prescribe agile across my entire organization, but I'm only willing to give 60 minutes of time. And and that's not a joke. I I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had leaders that give me time limits like that to talk about something as complex, as important as agile to them, to their organization. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, 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 it's, it's your job. I'm here. You need to be pulling everything from me. You need to be learning. You need to be taking personal accountability. I, I want to, I want to share a link. I was inspired by this question. I didn't prepare it, but there was a, you're going to like this, Josh. It's, there's a blog post I wrote uh, or I shared it. It's actually, I didn't write it. There's this Rena. What's her name? I have it up. Uh, hold on. And I'll share the link. Rena Hellstrom. And she's the CEO of a Finnish company that does agile a- HR. And she wrote this piece on LinkedIn. And I'm just going to read a few. It's like, she talks about like 12 steps that she wants leaders to go through um, and in an agile transformation. And, and it, and it makes this case of this juxtaposition, right? That it's not about me helping you. It's about the burden falls to you. So let me, let me read a few of these things. And if this doesn't, if this isn't aligned, Josh, just stop me. So number one, grill the CEO or the unit head before you start teaching them agile. Tell her or him that she, he is 100% responsible for making Agile work. That's step one. Step two, train the leadership team in Agile for two days. Make them go through a mind-blowing transformation backlog building exercise together. It must hurt. Grill them all. Tell them nothing's going to happen if none of you actually take an item off that backlog and finish it. Very few of these people have have been very action-oriented lately. It's a stretch to them to actually see that shit gets done. I'm just reading. This is what she typed. And I actually took it on LinkedIn because it was like a LinkedIn post. And I tried to give it broader uh, sort of exposure. Number three, agree on a cadence to the LT. Grill them all. There's a common denominator, Josh, of grilling them. And I love that. And then flip them over. Get the spatula. Flip (laughs) them over. Tell them that they can either have this nice little backlog in their normal monthly death by PowerPoint reporting meetings, or then they set up biweekly checks, sprint planning, backlog, and refinement sessions. Make them swear to have retrospectives on how they work. Four, tell them nothing's going to happen if they won't start communicating with each other live by the board. Okay, so... So we're going to add the link. Everybody go and read it. Yeah. Uh, so it's a resource. Does that, we're attach. does that give you, but does that give you a set? How do you react to some I, of that? So two things, uh, I think point number two, what was point number two that they were 100% responsible? No, that was the first. Actually, oh, it was part of the first point. point. Okay. Yeah. I, I agree with that completely because um, one of the things I've been saying a lot lately, so for those of you that are in my uh, weekly AMAs, which why aren't you? It's free Q&A every Wednesday. Amen. Let me say that again. Look, you could pick his brain. And for God's sakes, everyone, look at the size of that sucker. I mean, there's a lot of pick... There's a lot of picking to be done. So, so, so and it's and it's not it's not fluff. There's value in there. So get your butt. I'm I'm actually I'm influenced by Rena. It's like 
and get get grilled grill yourself to get into the ask me anything yes it, it's large and dense uh so yes that is the reality one of the common themes that i've been talking about is the importance of that leader and that um decision maker but they but but they are also kind of where that buck stops and what's going to happen is scrum is hard people are going to get frustrated it's not going to go as smoothly as they thought and they're going to start complaining up and it's eventually going to get to the person that's writing the checks for the transformation and in that moment when it makes it to the top and somebody says like hey so and so this is really annoying we were better before why are we doing this let's just can we skip this that is the the defining moment for the transformation does that leader stand up with confidence and pride which only happens with everything that bob talked about from the 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 article do they stand up and say i hear you i understand this is who we are now and i need you to get on board i understand it's not easy we know it's not easy but we believe long term this is the right answer so please get on board if you have any more questions or concerns, let me know. But the answer is going to be, this is the direction that we're going. Or they can start to crack that door of doubt open and say, okay, well, I'll talk to Bob. I'll talk to Josh and we'll get them to lighten up on this. At that point, it's over. The door hasn't been kicked down, but the door now has a crack in it. And it's yeah. only going to take a couple more things like that to where the legs are completely cut out from under the transformation. So that is the moment when it's going to define success or failure and making sure that they understand the responsibility that, that, that they have to help drive the success of this because they are asking the company to change the way they fundamentally operate. Just well, if for, you think about it like yes. that, that's not easy. Well, I mean, even stop the fundamentally, they are the leader. Damn it. That's what they used to lead, lead. It's your job to figure this stuff out. You don't have to be an expert like Josh and I are, but you have to, damn it. You don't have to get in the game. That's what she's saying. I love, and she was talking about this. It was like her recipe. I mean, there's a little bit of flamboyance in it, but I, I know her and this is her posture with leaders. And I think it's the right posture. Yeah. So it's not this, not this, oh, I need a little bit of training just so I can No. No, you need to, you need to stick your whole body in it. You need to dive in and then you need to not just get trained. You need to behave this way. You, you again, step up. So I'll make sure we, I'll share that link with you, Josh. We'll get it into okay. this. Sounds but good. did you like, I, yeah. I, I love, I love her audacity of putting it all on the leader. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's a little unfair. Maybe it's a little unbalanced, but you know what? Tough. It's not. It's t- t- I yeah I I I love the audacity of that. All right, let me get to the next question. All right. Interviewing scrum masters. And then he says in parens even mock Q&A so we could share mock Q&A. I don't know if we want to do that. And then interviewing scrum masters, product owners, agile managers, directors, VPs. He's I think he's just it's a very open-ended question maybe about interviewing like how to interview I'm putting words in now maybe agile folks, maybe mm-hmm. some of our tips or tricks what do you what do you got this was one of the hardest things i ever did especially as an agile thought leader so we had been 
doing our podcast for six, seven, eight years, something like that. And for the first time in my career, I needed to hire a scrum master or an agile coach. I had hired hundreds of developers, but I like froze up and realized, wait a minute, everything I do to hire a developer isn't going to work for a scrum master. So I really had to rack my brain. I talked to Bob. I, I had this question and I had to work through. I figured out how to validate that a great developer is sitting in front of me, but I'm right. not sure how I'm going to do that for a scrum master. And one of the things that we worked through and I sat down with Bob, like I said, I sat down with my team and we talked it through because it is one of those roles that you don't hire that often. So you don't build up that practice. Um, and for me, what I worked to understand was I worked to understand whether they were little a agile or big a, because that was very important to me and understanding is their mindset correct? Because if their mindset is correct, and in a line with who we aspire to be from an agile perspective, things were going to be good. So that was the primary requirement that I had. And then it was working through how do I validate that? How do I create scenarios or situations where we can have that person walk us through their response and find out which A is it, big or little? And that's a different interviewing style. Um, and please mindset is, is hard to measure. I yeah. think it's behavioral. Like you were talking about it's example-based, it's situational. The thing I wrote down sort of inspired by what you were saying, Josh, uh, and it's, and it's an addition is I think this notion of try it. I remember when my daughter Rhiannon interviewed for a scrum master role and Eric Hannon, who we know, mm -hmm. I think does I, I don't know how many people do this, but I think a lot of people, when you're interviewing for these Agile-centric roles, you audition people. Mm -hmm. So what happened with Rhiannon is she had to she had to facilitate a retrospective, a real retro. Mm -hmm. They didn't they didn't softball it. They actually gave her a, a real team that had real issues or challenges, and they said they gave her a little bit of prep, but it's like come in here and run the retro. And so to me, that's an audition, and that's. Like practice, show me what you know, show me how you're going to, you know, behave, et cetera. And I think that's part of the interviewing as well. Even developers like join, I'm not saying get free code. So everyone read my lips. You don't get free work for no pay. So that's not the auditioning goal, but it's immerse someone at eye contact. We would bring someone into a team for a few hours and say, you know, pair with some developers on a team. Uh, check in some code, fix a bug, or work with someone to fix a bug, mm. or whatever. And and what we wanted is not to get free work. We were trying to say this is our, this is your team, experience uh, experience them and let them experience you, and then we'll make a decision from that. And only do it based on it's not even so. There's experiential questions, and then there's immersion, and and sort of going through the auditioning process and i think that that's some that's an extension that you want to make uh react to that because i don't know if you've done auditions you may have mixed feelings about it um we had a very clear audition style approach for developers but again it was about the mindset so we would give them very challenging problems and we would tell them we don't expect you to have the answer or to be able to just like dump it out on a whiteboard yeah what we what we didn't say is that 
the interviewers, they are there to help. They already know the answer and they've seen the best versions or whatever. So it's a, it's a test for that engineer of, can they collaborate with our team? Are they willing to, do they ask for help? What do they do there again, to find the mindset. So we ended up doing similar things with the scrum masters where we would ask them to create the perfect scrum organization and what would it look like? And then we would poke and prod in different areas and again, just try and work side by side with them. That Orsk thing that I did, I didn't even know it was Orsk until until you told me, is what we try and do, instead of sitting across from each other, is we try and get them sitting next to us and put that problem up on the whiteboard and seeing how well they work with us to figure out the right answer to a complex problem. And we, again, I, I hate things like this where it's like a quiz. This is not a quiz. It's... And we tell them up front, we get, you're not going to have the perfect answer. That's okay. We'll talk it through. And there are some people that hear that and get excited. And then there are some that just can't get over that of, oh, this is a quiz. There's going to be a perfect answer. I don't know it. And then right. again, that's because they don't have that mindset and the comfort of we're going to iterate. I know Rihanna got really nervous. I, I And she asked me, you know, how to, I said, I don't think you overthink it. I think you go in, trust yourself. Mm -hmm. You're going to have nerves, but just, just do it, yep. you know, center yourself and just do it. Any preparation to me would undermine your effectiveness, right? If yeah. I start planning it, it's just going to undermine it. It's going to be artificial, mm -hmm. but it's, it, but I think a point you made is it is challenging for the interviewee. Mm -hmm. These are, and, and so at, if you're doing this stuff, you have to sort of give them some hints or, you know, sort of give them some prep to calm them down. Otherwise yeah. it can be very intimidating. So you want to prep them. Uh, David talked about VPs and directors and things like that. So it wasn't just scrum masters or POs or developers. I remember years ago, Josh, I interviewed for a senior leadership role. I was in Connecticut. It was in Pittsburgh. And I was really excited about this. It was a technology company, uh, like an IBM derivative company or mm -hmm. owns, but it was a startup in the Carnegie Mellon space at Pittsburgh. I was super excited about the technology and uh, they, well, part of the interview, I went there for a day or two and they had me talk to like 50 people in a cafeteria, not talk. It was like an ask me anything before anyone, before anyone talked about ask me anything. They threw me up there in front of 50 people and said, this is potentially your new boss. Ooh, I uh, like it. right. Ask him anything. And I liked it. Yeah, it was freak. It was freaking scary. Yeah, but but it was great for me because I got a sense for the, yeah. the the culture. I got a sense for the challenges, and I think it was great for them because they got raw Bob. You know, hire you're. This is not an interview question. Pepper me, and I remember thinking, and I never. This is the first time I ever had that, and it was a little bit mature in the interview process. I had gone through some individual or small like pair interviews. This was the, we're thinking about hiring this guy. Uh, we want the whole team to weigh in. And, mm -hmm. and I remember walking away and I'm, I'm like, that worked. That, it, it was freaking scary. And I don't know, you know, there's no way to determine how I'm doing. My decision was just to be genuine. Yeah. Like just, I just need to, I just need to be me. Uh, and then they, and the more I'm me, the better the decision they can make. Mm-hmm. And then I'll get data as well. But I remember that, I, I think it's that, again, auditioning. And this is before, 
gosh, this was even pre-agile. This was a long time ago. But I, I think stuff like that is the way to go. What yeah, do you think? I mean, to me, that's... I love that the company did that because it shows the weight and responsibility that this role has. Like, we, we aren't hiring you to just do a thing. We're hiring you to lead this, to lead this group of people. And that's a sizable responsibility. And also, I do love the opportunity that you had to peek behind the curtain and see what people were concerned about, maybe what they had been burned by, and understand exactly. a little bit more of what of what you were walking into and whether it's like, okay, yeah, this is a this is a mostly healthy place and we'll be able to make it really good or like, holy crap, they're really dysfunctional. I don't think a company that would do something like that would be dysfunctional, but that's, it gives you a great way to really understand without asking a handful of executives, tell me about the team, tell me about this. You Ex know, like, exactly. You get it Ex firsthand. Exactly. Yeah. And, and again, it's not everyone, Metacasters, I think that style can be useful. So if you're hiring it again, it's the audition, get in the game and be real with the questions uh, and really honor everyone, get information. The, the more you can be day to day and less contrived, the better off you are. All right. You feeling good about that answer? Yeah, I do. Well, next one, mm -hmm. what to do when things go awry for you or others? Not that that would, David, that would never happen. Performance man. Oh, performance man. So hyphen, Performance management for scrum masters, coaches, product owners, etc. Okay, so I think this is what this is people awry, right? Okay. What 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 to do when things go awry for you or others? Performance management for the for agile roles. Josh, I don't know how to answer this. Nothing's ever gone wrong, so. <laughs> oh ever that is 100 so there's untrue. been never so you've hired you've made perfect hires perfect and you've never had any performance issues yes whatsoever. never ever no I, so again a common theme for me and my first step in any misunderstanding and i believe that a performance issue perceived real it doesn't matter there's an issue is created by a lack of information between the two parties. Someone has an expectation that the other one doesn't get or doesn't have a full picture of, or there's something happening that the other side doesn't understand is making things more difficult than they expected. So for me, the first thing that I do is I sit down with that person and say, hey, what's going on? I've noticed that you're operating here and the expectation we set is that you operate here so where am i wrong and always enter that with i am wrong don't attack them but you have to create that dialogue where hey you have all the answers i don't so inform me what i'm missing what i don't understand and that starts a healthy dialogue again where you start to be shoulder to shoulder instead of across and attacking each other and that's step one for me, because oftentimes it's a lack of clarity and maybe I didn't do a good enough job with expectations or supporting the role or whatever right. it is. And so then the aha moment is, oh crap, I've let you down. Let me fix that right now. And we go and solve that. Or it's, okay, gosh, I understand what's going on. How can I support you? What can we do? What needs to change? What's going on? Uh, that's the that's the standard approach that I take. I, I want to before I answer, 
and and plus one to what you said, Josh. Uh, Josh, Larry King. Did, mm-hmm. Have you ever seen Larry King? I have. With I'm suspenders. At my, yeah, I'm looking at myself now, and I'm like, and and I don't know how I feel about this, but I don't think it's good. But I'm like, I look like Larry King to some degree. Have you? Yeah, right. Yeah. Skinny. You got to sit yeah. different. You got to get your shoulders I, way up. I, like, I don't yeah, know how he does that. Yeah. He had a weird shoulder thing going. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so. Like, yeah, so for those of you that are listening and wondering, you don't have to wonder how Bob looks like Larry King. You can go onto YouTube and see it. Take advantage of this new medium that we've leapt into. Okay, exactly. Larry. So I, let me answer this. So I want to come at it. I'm, I'm proud of myself, Josh. I'm coming at these. I'm agreeing with you, but my brain is going in a slightly different direction. So what to do when things go awry? Um, don't let them go awry. So, mm. so performance management is sort of like, you know, 80% of the time or 90% of the time things go awry. And then I have to go into performance management mode, whatever that means. I, I, I sort of know what it means. Uh, don't let it go. Feedback, feedback, feedback. F- give people, f- don't let it get into performance management mode. Our job is to provide real time feedback and to accept real time feedback. So become a feedback you know, sort of sponge and a feedback giver and a receiver. And then I would argue when you get into performance management, 90% of the time it's because you didn't, we didn't communicate. We didn't give feedback. We avoided it or whatever. It's like do the feedback. And then my experience is a minor people are smart. People are committed given feedback. People are going to adapt and change or you adapt and change. Give, listening to that feedback so the performance management side is like a minor slice right it's a rare it's a rare exception it doesn't happen that often i think it happens a lot because people suck at giving feedback so don't do that and and, and have that courage and become skilled at it and it's both directions it's, it's that radical cater i would highly recommend uh if you're listening to this podcast at least go and listen to a youtube a YouTube video uh, from Kim Scott on radical candor and start mulling that over in your head. Uh, I think we avoid that whole notion. I think if, if we started giving people feedback, the whole notion of performance management would almost go away. Yeah. Thoughts, John. Yeah. So two things there. One, I am very aggressive. I have become very aggressive with the feedback being as early as possible. And it gets uncomfortable for the person I'm talking with because they're used to only having a discussion about an issue when you get to that performance problem. And I prefer to put concerns or thoughts or worries I have out on the table sooner rather than later. So that I then start to set the tone with this person of, hey, educate me on what's happening because usually to bob's point the problem's on me it's not on them i didn't have the clarity of something i wasn't i wasn't somewhere i needed to be or whatever something happened but the sooner i talk about that the sooner we get to a resolution and the smaller an issue it becomes but that but you have to be you have to be skilled at doing that because so many folks when they hear 
like a manager or a leader comes over and says, Hey, Bob, can I talk to you for a minute? Like everybody's like, Oh shit. What I do wrong, what's happening. Yeah. And then you do this like death March to this office where the two of you sit down and talk and you instantly think things are going bad or going wrong or something horrible is going to happen. So you have to work to condition the team that, Hey, I just want to talk about something. And it doesn't mean things are bad, but, the, but so many people have, histories where when something happens like that only bad things happen so you have to recognize and understand that feeling that your team is going to get um second talking about the retrospectives if it gets that far you owe it to yourself and to your team to figure out what changes you have to make so that that doesn't happen again if it happens again it's 100 your fault maybe the first time you could say, ah, some of it wasn't really my fault. It probably was. But if it happens again, there's no one fault but your own because you didn't adjust or find a way to change the system so that it didn't happen again. I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with two things you said, but I'm not mm. disagreeing. One, you said you have to be skilled. I disagree. Yes, yeah, skilled is nice, but if you're unskilled, still give feedback. Yeah. Period. Right? Period. That's fair. And yeah. then become and then become skilled over time. Uh, Josh, you have a, this humble style where you point the finger at yourself too much. Well, it's, I'm probably wrong. You, you said that a lot. You know what? It, it's not about blame. It's whoever, whoever needs to make an adjustment, make it. What if a team member is not listening to other team members in meetings or respecting them? Well, then it's not your fault, Josh, as a leader. You just need, but they're not aware of it. Give them that feedback. Or maybe it is. I, it's, it's don't, point the finger at the leader, point the finger at the behavior, and then give that feedback. I don't now, think and, uh, I don't think you can say that after you just talked about the article where it put everything on the leader, right? So that's that's how I'm viewing it. I'm not um I'm very comfortable with with the feedback. So I accept the full responsibility of being a great leader and that if something is failing, it's ultimately my fault. So to, it's on me to fix it not fix it well you can i would say it's on you to to reveal the system to itself yeah not fix it and and that's really you just nailed what i'm saying if if the problem is you as the leader then then fix yourself if the problem is whoever you're talking to then they need to fix themselves mm -hmm. right the system and the individual so your language is always me 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 which isn't bad you're a leader you're a dynamic leader uh, but what i'm saying is it's not about you know, it's not 80, 20 or anything like that. Whoever needs to repair the situation, but they won't do it if they don't get So feedback, yes. Then someone take ownership immediately. But, but I'm even so crazy in that if it is the responsibility of that person to make a change, then yep. I go back further steps and say, how did I allow this into our system? What are things I could have that, done up front? That's, Right. That's so, fair. Yeah. That, that's that's fair game. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just. It's, I get you. I get you. I get you. Yeah. Your language is a lot. Me. I don't know what it ever it is, but someone needs to make a change. That's the that's the beauty of feedback, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Kim talks about it. It's so that our feed, so we're listening, so that either their view can change or our view can change, right? We're listening to both sides and yep. we're giving feedback and we decide. We're open minded. Cool. I, I like where that answer mm -hmm. went. I have two One quickies. More. 
Oh, two quickies. Well, no, okay. two, two, two more, two quickies. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to paraphrase. Books you recommend during coaching, what books have changed the conversation for you or others, how and why? So you, each of us has to pick one book uh, that we recommend or that's changed things for us. And I'm going to let you go first because I think you have a, a, a handful of books in mind. I do. The Probably the most impactful thing that I've seen is turn the ship around. And the reason why it was impactful wasn't just because of the content, but because at the end of each chapter, it gave you like a checklist of, okay, we've talked about this. Are these things true in your organization? If not, here's things you can do to go make that happen. So that was a fantastic tool for me to go through with a leadership team that I had and for us to get on the same page about what leading means to us. And it gave us actions for us to take when we were honest with ourselves and said, okay, we're not there yet. And so that was one of those things that there's lots of books, great ideas and wonderful thoughts, but there's still that next level where you have to do the translation of like, okay, how am I going to make that work? This was fantastic because it gave you a jumping off point of, okay, we definitely have that problem. And here's a couple of things you can do to start to fix it. The other nice thing about that is in an agile context, if folks can do things like that in the military, the excuses in agile context go yeah. away, right? It's yeah. like, well, oh, we can't, oh, it's the military, yeah, right? Yeah, so if they could do that there. Mine is Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Pat Lencioni. Uh, really off the top of my head, it's been something I come back to. One, I like it because it's a fable. Uh, so it's quick read. Uh, it's a it's a fundamental abstraction or metaphor for building teams, building high high performance teams by focusing on trust uh, and 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 debate and safety. And it talks about those foundations. Uh, I do it a lot. Uh, I've actually used it. He has an assessment that I've used in organizations. It's very useful. Uh, a, a lot of times, people are focusing on the result side, and they and they don't build the foundational principles. And that's mm. one of the keys that Lencioni talks about. Uh, I've handed that out. I've bought copies for, and I, you know, I contact and channel advisor. We used it, uh, but it's just useful. If you haven't read Five Dysfunctions of a Team, no matter what your role is, I would say read it. You can read it in a plane ride, a, a, a cross country plane ride. You can you can digest it. All right. So the next one, real quick question. This is even shorter, Josh, uh, but but I, we need to give it some thought. What is your agile spirit animal? So I'm I mean, thinking yours is you, yours is no, pretty don't, simple. No, no, you can't you can't make assumptions and, and pick. So think think deeply. Mm. What is your agile spirit animal? Today. So I mean, I, I I'm trying <laughs> stew with a viper. <laughs> um, the viper. Uh I I keep coming back to the wolf. That's that's the thing Ooh. that I keep coming at um, is that oftentimes when I'm doing these transformations, I am often the lone wolf and I'm that kind of outsider that's trying to come in that has different thoughts and ideas on how it can be done and doesn't accept that that thing you talked about with the, with the military of it can't be done. Yes, it can. We just have to go make this happen so 
having been through a bunch of those, leading them mostly on my my own, that's that that's that feeling I get. Plus, I got Winston Wolf behind me, who uh, that's my spirit character, and he just comes in and fixes big problems. So that's what I enjoy doing, and, and so that's kind of shaped in my brain. Very cool. Nice answer. Thank it gave you. me some insights, and I've known you for a long time, too. Uh, mine, everyone, Metacasters, the obvious one, which is Josh was alluding to, was Agile Moose or a Moose. But I'm going to flip it up. I'm going to say a lion. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say, I'm going to the Wizard of Oz, and I'm thinking of the cowardly lion. And in my mind, a metaphor that I try to remind myself, it's Agile coaching and change, uh, leading transformations, is a really hard, fearful business. Uh, no matter how much money you have in the bank, uh, and no, you know, no matter what the contract says, and I, re I try to remind myself to be a, a courageous truth teller, mm -hmm. and be a courageous straight shooter. And my mental model for that is a lion. And I'm not saying I'm a really. It's just it's how I want to show up. I want to show up with courage. I want to show up with commitment. I want to show up being proud of what I do. How I'm showing up. Uh, because it's a really, it's a really hard, it's a hard role, right? Ch anything, anyone who's leading change, I, I, I take my hat off to anyone mm -hmm. who leads change, who's trying to change organizational systems and organizational cultures. Man, it's, it's not for the faint of heart. It's not easy. So that's where, that's my spirit animal, at least for today, with a, it. with a lion on the back of a moose. Maybe I, maybe I aggregated <laughs> it somewhere. All right, so. Everyone, that is the end of Potpourri Part Deux. I'm so happy we're we're, we're past this. I know Potpourri. <laughs> I just love saying it. I can say that. I know. Times I know. And I know. smile every time. Uh, so from beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina, and slightly rainy Fuquay Verena, North Carolina. I'm Bob Galen, and I'm Josh Anderson. Shake and bake. Take care, y'all.